Hi, my name's Paul Grogan. Welcome to episode 26 of the all-new Gaming Rules podcast. This episode is an audio version of the monthly video log which went out at the start of August 2022. Big thank you to all of my Patreon supporters for making this podcast possible. And if you like the content that I create and you want to support the channel, you can do so by going to patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. And now, on with the show. Hi, my name's Paul Grogan. Welcome to the Gaming Rules Monthly Video Log for August 2022. Now, I'm recording this just before I'm about to head off on a break, so I'm going to try and get this video done uh, and edited before I go away. Unfortunately, this week has not gone to plan, and I've lost a lot of time, so I'm a little bit behind schedule. So, unfortunately, this video log, I'm not going to be doing the normal amount of editing that I normally do. There isn't going to be any fancy sidebar coming in with any pictures of the box covers. I do like creating nice videos, and I do like doing that, but it, do, it does add quite a lot of editing, editing time. So apologies uh, to those of you who like the sidebar with the picture of the box cover. You're just going to have to close your eyes and imagine it's here. Of course, if you're listening to this on the podcast, then you're not actually going to see anything anyway. So let's jump in and let's cover what this is. This video log is going to be. First of all, I'm going to be talking about all of the games that I've played since the last video log, which is covering the period from the 8th of July right through to yesterday, which is the 3rd of August. Uh, then I'm going to be giving you an update on the Patreon, where all of the charity money is going. Uh, and then I've also got some personal stuff to share at the end of the video. So let's jump in and talk about... 8th of July, I played Oz Australia. Now, I actually mentioned this at the end of the last video log that I was about to play it. Um, and this this was the game we played. Now, we played with the expansion. So, for Australia, for those people who don't know, it's a Martin Wallace game. But it's a very unusual game. And on paper, this is not the kind of game that I would like. It is a Euro-style game with Euro-style mechanisms where you're using action cubes to choose uh, which actions you want to do. You've got a time track and everything else. But it's set in Australia, Cthulhu's involved, and it has a fairly, well, to say it's fairly random is a little bit unfair. The combat, there is combat in the game and it is decided by card play, uh, flipping cards over to see what it does. And it's sort of got a semi-cooperative element as well. So as I say, on paper, this is not the kind of game that I would enjoy. But there's something very special about Australia and that I've enjoyed every single game that I've played of it. Now, the version that we played on the 8th of July was using the expansion set. There's two expansion sets out for the game. They came out at the same time and they contain a whole host of different modules for you to play the game in a different way. And one of the modules turns it into a one versus many game. So Rob, one of my friends who also likes the game, he took on the role of the old ones and the three of us basically tried playing the game as normal. So for us three, we're kind of playing the game as normal, but the role of, of Rob playing the old ones uh, was a bit different. That is on the channel now. If you want to see that, uh, go back and search. It's on the 8th of July 2022 and it is a playthrough of Australia. Would I play it again one versus many? I'm not sure. So from my point of view, I'm not keen on being the one in a one versus many game. But Rob also, despite liking the game, he felt that there wasn't as much, um, he wasn't engaged with the game as much as we were. Yes, he had certain choices of what he could do in the game, but a lot of the uh, enemy movement, for example, that's, that's determined. He can't choose where they go. He can only choose, I think, where they spawn or something like that. So he felt that he didn't get as much engagement out of the game as he would have done if he was playing a, a human player. Next up, on the 9th of July, uh, on the Saturday, I did a couple of playthroughs of Marvel Champions. Marvel Champions is one of my favourite games. I love playing the game, and it's a game that I really don't get to play as much as I'd like to play. Uh, Rick came over on the Saturday, and we did a couple of playthroughs. Now, these playthroughs were showing off the new playmats, which are from Powerplant Games. You can order them now from Powerplant Games' website. I've not. This isn't sponsored in any way, I'm just saying. Powerplant Games produced these playmats, and they sent me a couple of playmats, and I did videos playing them. They are one of my patron supporters, so I'm happy to support them back, but I just want you to know I've not been paid any money to do any product placement or anything like that for the playmats. Anyway, turns out I've actually played Marvel Champions quite a lot over the last few weeks. So I played those two games with Rick uh, on the 9th of July. Then I did a solo playthrough on the 12th of July using a Quicksilver deck that Scott built for me, playing uh, the tower defense scenario. Then, what else did I play? I'm just scrolling down through the list. I'm sure there was another couple of games here as well. Yeah, solo games of Marvel Champions on the 29th of July. That was a Patreon-only stream, that one, because that was uh, that was basically, yeah, a behind-the-scenes video, a Patreon-only scene, uh, Patreon-only video, 
before the game that evening. So yeah, played, what, four games of Marvel Champions. My thoughts on the game haven't really changed that much. I still love the game. I still think it is probably the best LCG that I've played. And I know a lot of people rate Netrunner as, as the best you know, card game ever. And I'm a massive fan of Netrunner. But to be honest, I think I prefer Marvel Champions. There's just so many things about Marvel Champions, not just the theme of the game, but the way the mechanisms of the game work, the way that the you cycle through your deck fairly quick, so that deck building is actually it's more important than it is in other games. One thing that puts me off a lot of old school card games is the fact that you, you, you spend a long time constructing this deck and then your card draw is very limited. So you will draw maybe you know, a third of your deck or even a half of your deck by the game, by the time the game is over. In Marvel Champions, you're cycling through your cards so fast and it uses the cards as resources mechanism, which I think is fantastic. So yeah, there's so much about Marvel Champions that I absolutely love uh, and I enjoy playing it. Now, the last game we played, which was versus the Hood, I actually didn't enjoy that one so much. And it could have just been, because occasionally there is quite a lot of randomness in it, both in, in your cards, but also the way that the encounter cards come out. And in our game that we played, it was me and Rick, I was playing Quicksilver, he was playing uh, Spider-Ham, and we were playing against the Hood. There just seemed to be a few effects in that game which were quite swingy. For example, the Hood themselves has this special ability that um, every so often you will discard the top card of the encounter deck, and if, one, if it's one of the Hood's cards, then you just leave it there. No bad effect at all, the card's gone. Or if it isn't, you put it in play you know, you, you deal it to yourself as an encounter card. So straight away, you've got this flip of a coin. Is it going to be good? Is it going to be bad? And that happened quite a lot during the game. Now, that could have just been that game. It could have just been the way that it played out. I might play that scenario again, and it all goes really well. Who knows? It's just one of the things. Um, but the game itself, I, I, I still really like Marvel Champions. Um, next up, on the 13th of Jul July... Uh, Peter came round and we did some more Batman Gotham City Chronicles. Uh, I was planning on doing something else that evening, but nobody else was available. It was only Peter that was available that evening, and both me and Peter like playing Batman Gotham City Chronicles. So we said, well, why don't we play Batman Gotham City Chronicles? So we did. We actually played it twice. Now, the first of those videos was a public playthrough, and it only lasted about an hour. So what we did is we basically swapped sides and then I did another video, which wasn't public, this was for Patreons only, where we swapped sides and we played it the other way. Now the Deadly Riddle scenario is really tough for the hero. Uh, really, really tough. And speaking to fans of the game afterwards, they said, oh yeah, this scenario is massively tough. So even though we were playing with the, the tweaks to the difficulty to make it slightly easier for the heroes, um, and Peter was playing quite well at the start, all of a sudden it got to about round four, and I think I moved all my drones outside the room that Batman was in, and just, I got loads of lucky hits. Do, do enjoy the game, it is fun, and obviously I've spent the last couple of years working on the rulebook for it, but it does have dice for combat, and those dice, they are the bane of every Eurogamer's uh, thing. And unfortunately, the dice in Batman Gotham City Chronicles are quite swingy. So the white dice, for example, there's four blanks and there are two sides, both with two successes on. And the drones, I think, were rolling two white dice or even maybe three white dice each. So you can get these massively swingy results. And what we ended up with is Batman suddenly taking so much damage in one turn that it was effectively game over. Um, but as I say, the, ga the game is fun. I spent a lot of time working on the rules and painting the miniatures. Um, <clears throat> It's always a question as to whether that biases how much I enjoy the game. Do I enjoy the game because I've put so much work into it and therefore I feel that I, I need to enjoy the game, otherwise my brain will explode? And I don't think so. I think it's just the fact that I've appreciated the game for what it is and occasionally you will get these swingy dice results, but there's still a good game in there and occasionally, a little bit like the Marvel Champions, you might get the odd game where it's just, okay, the dice have determined the results in this game and there's nothing we can do about it. Same as I mentioned last month with Memoir 44, and I think it's the case with any game with dice. Um, so yeah, that was Batman Deadly Riddles. Now, after that, me and Peter went downstairs and it was still quite early. Well, it wasn't, it wasn't late, but it wasn't early, but we had time for another game. So I came upstairs and I found a two-player game that I've had for a very, very long time, and that is Kahuna. Kahuna is one of my favourite two-player games. I love Kahuna. I think mechanically it is fantastic. It's a very solid game and we, we played Kahuna. Um, now, I'm quite good at Kahuna and I've played the game quite a lot, so I know a lot of the strategies. Peter seems to remember having played it at some point in the past, but definitely hadn't played it recently. So that game went a little bit 
one-sided, a little bit towards me. But yeah, Kahuna is a really, really good game. Since I'm not putting images of boxes on screens, you'll have to imagine it. But it's this um, two-player abstract game where you're basically playing cards, putting white and black bridges down on islands. One player's black, the other player's white. And you're trying to gain control over these islands. Uh, it's a nice little two-player Cosmos game. I don't know if it's actually still available, but there's been a few reprints over the years. Then, on the 15th of July to the 17th of July, I went to Manacon. Manacon is one of my favourite UK conventions. It's about 250 people-ish, and it's basically an open gaming convention. There's no exhibitors there, there's no real uh, events that are run or anything like that. It's just big rooms, people playing games. To say there's no events being run, that's a little bit unfair. The organisers do put on like a pub quiz and a treasure hunt and things like that. But in terms of gaming, there's no there's no tournaments, there's no organised play or anything like that. There's no, as I said, there's no exhibitors there demoing games. It's just tables playing games. And I played quite a lot of games uh, that weekend. In fact, I played quite a lot of games of Endless Winter. So uh, over that weekend, I played Perseverance Episode 1. Uh, I had the chance to play Perseverance the first thing on the Friday and with I think there was two new players and I think Neil had played before or Richard had played before I can't quite remember um, but yeah Perseverance the, the game from Mind Clash Games with the dinosaurs in I, I really enjoy Perseverance again mechanically I think it's a sound game I think it's the perfect length for the game I don't think it overstays its welcome and just everything that you do in that game I, I, I just enjoy now we just played episode one uh, I still haven't decided which I prefer, whether I prefer episode 1 or episode 2. Episode 2 definitely has more going on in it, but that doesn't mean it's a better game. There are parts of episode 2 that I find a little bit fiddly, uh, and episode 1 is a little bit cleaner, but they have a very different feel to them, even though they both share the same core mechanisms. So yeah, Perseverance episode 1. Uh, ideally, I would have played episode 2 at the weekend, because I don't want to get into that position, and I don't know if you're the same, is... The first time you play a game with somebody, you always use like the base game. And the first time I play Perseverance, I will always use episode one. But then you never seem to get round to doing the second game. So you end up just playing the base game all of the time, where it's like, oh, we've got all this extra stuff that I want to explore. Um, but yeah, there's enough people that I know that have played Perseverance enough that if I wanted to play episode two at some point, I could. And I definitely want to. Then I played a two-player game of Star Wars Outer Rim with Luke Hector from The Broken Meeple. Both me and Luke have played the game a lot before... So we know the game, and there was no teaching, it was just get on with the game. And that was really good. Star Wars Outer Rim, another one of my favourite games. I just, I really love Star Wars Outer Rim, and I've spoken about this loads over the last few months, because the expansion's just come out, I've done a few videos with the expansion. The expansion makes for me what was already a very, very good game, even better. Um, so yeah, that was a great game. Now what was interesting about that game is, we were playing with the, what are they called? Achievements, objectives, can't remember what they're called. Anyway, those things that from the expansion, uh, which you need to do to win the game. And when you're playing with those, you only play to 8 fame instead of 10 fame, because they actually make it a little bit longer. Anyway, Luke got to 8 fame, and I was still on 3 and it's like, okay, yeah, the game the game hadn't gone my way at all. Uh, lots of things about the game hadn't worked out, and Luke was playing really well. And as I say, he got up to 8 fame, he was about to complete his final whatever it's called, and win the game, and I was stuck on 3 fame. And then I had the most awesomest turns ever. It was either 1 turn or 2 turns, and suddenly I got to 8 fame. Luke then won the next turn, but I was, I was very, very happy that suddenly I did all of this cool stuff and I managed to get to 8 fame. We worked out I was still about 4 or 5 turns away from winning, but yeah, really, really good game and definitely would play Star Wars Outer Rim at, at any time. It's one of those games that I will never say no to. Also over the weekend, I played Skymines. So Skymines is the new game from Alexander Pfister, published by Deep Print Games and Pegasus Spiel, and it's the updated version of Mombasa. I was due to be doing a video on this after Manacon, so I had to learn how to play the game, and unfortunately, um, due to various issues and delays, my previous games in the day had overrun. And what that meant is that I didn't have the prep time to set up and learn Skymines before the actual play. Thankfully, Graham, one of my patron supporters and friend of mine, uh, said, well, I'll, I'll get it. So by the time I, my game had finished, I went over there, it had all been set up, they'd learned how to play, and then we, we played it. Um, I really like Mombasa, and Skymines is, in my opinion, a slightly improved version of Mombasa. It's interesting, because Skymines has got another side of the board, a campaign mode, 
and some extra modules for extra variability. But the base game of Skymines is almost identical to Mombasa. There's almost no changes whatsoever. So to say that it's an updated, like it's a, it's a version two of the game, is technically correct, but you're not gonna find many differences in the core game of Skymines than you would have done in the base game of Mombasa. Uh, but yeah, played that, four players, really good. I still think four players is the best play count for the game, but I'm gonna talk about Skymines a little bit later on because I did do a video on it that is on the channel. Other things that I played over the weekend, I had a game of just one, might have even been two. Uh, we had a fantastic game of uh, Letter Jam one evening. Um, we also played Power Core and D&D Onslaught. So Power Core and D&D Onslaught are two games that I'm gonna be covering on the channel. Well, in fact, D&D Onslaught I've already covered on the channel. And basically, while I, w while I had the opportunity at Manicon, I took both games with me. These were prototypes. Um, and I just wanted to have a quick play of them because I wanted to just see what they're like, see if there was any big issues with it, see if I had any rules questions or anything like that. Um, so yeah, it was just basically a test play ready for me covering them on the channel later on. But the big game that I played over Manicon was Endless Winter. I played four games of Endless Winter at Manicon. It was supposed to be five, but um, yeah, I had to cancel the one on Sunday. Um, but yeah, I played four games of Endless Winter, teaching various people how to play the game and using various modules. And the reason for that is I was due straight after Manicon to film loads of videos on Endless Winter. And therefore I had to not only learn how to play the game, because I'd read the rules, I, I, I wrote the rule book, I know how to play the game, but I actually wanted to properly sit down play it, learn it, and realize the best way of teaching the game. So I played a lot of games of Endless Winter at Manicon, and Endless Winter is definitely the game for the month. Ironic, because Britain's had its, uh, you know, worst heat wave in, 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 since records began, uh, and here's me doing lots of games of, uh, of a game set where it's very, very cold. Um, I'll talk about Endless Winter a little bit more later on, but yeah, I played four games of it at Manicon. Um, that was it. That was it for, for Manicon. So, on the 19th of July, Stephen and Peter came round and we sat down and we filmed the tutorial video for Endless Winter, which was me teaching them how to play. Then we did a playthrough using the base game. Then we did a playthrough using the Ancestors expansion. So, what? Is that, that's like six games of Endless Winter that I've now played over, over five days or something like that. Unfortunately, and I'll talk about this later on, those videos ended up having to be scrapped because there were various technical issues with the recording, but they still counted as a play of the game. Um, so let's talk about Endless Winter now because I have actually played it later in the month as well. I've played it, let's just have a look. 25th of July, two more playthroughs, refilming the ones that went wrong on the 19th. So that's another game of the base game and another game uh, with the Ancestors expansion. And this week I've played three solo games um, of Endless Winter. I did a learning game on Monday, then I did a practice stream on the Tuesday. Uh, then I decided that that, uh, that video wouldn't have been good enough for the solo playthrough. So that I did, I did another playthrough on the Wednesday. So I've played Endless Winter now, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven 11 times this month. Uh, I, I know the game quite well now. So let, let's talk about it. I can't give you my opinion on the game because these are sponsored videos. I was hired by Fantasia Games to write and edit the rule books for the game. I've been professionally involved in the game for a, for a long time and I've worked closely with the publishers uh, and the developers of the game. And the videos that I'm creating, they are commissioned videos. So it wouldn't be right for me to tell you my personal opinion on the game, uh, whether, it be, whether it be good or bad. But it's, and I think I said this in last month's Q&A, it combines deck building and worker placement. And there's a few other games that have combined deck building and worker placement recently. Lost Ruins of Arnak, Junior Imperium. But Endless Winter definitely has a lot more going on in it. There is a lot more to Endless Winter, and I'm not saying that's a good thing or a bad thing. I'm just saying it's a step up in complexity. Not hugely, I still class it as a medium weight game, but there's so many different options. I mean, when you set up the game to start with, you've got the main game board, you've got the idle track, you've got the hunting grounds, which is where the animals are, then you've got the megalith board, then you have the culture card display. I might be making it sound really complicated, and it's actually not, but it's quite a sprawling game with a lot going on. But fantastic production, great table presence, the gameplay is really good. To be honest, I can tell you what Peter and Stephen think about it, because 
that's not me giving my opinion. They really enjoy it, and they're happy to come around for, for more playthroughs. And everybody that I played it with that weekend also really enjoyed it. So, yeah, those Endless Winter videos, I'll talk about this more uh, later on, but those videos will be going live over the next few weeks. 20th of July, I did a video of Gloomhaven Digital. So for those of you who see what's going on on my channel, every few weeks I will do a playthrough of Gloomhaven Digital, because I love doing it. And this time we were joined by Isaac Childress. So if you want to see that, if you haven't seen any of my other Gloomhaven Digital playthroughs, I would recommend watching that one. It was quite funny in the way that it worked out, and I won't spoil much, but to say that we slightly embarrassed ourselves with our uh, lack of skill at playing in front of Isaac, um, it was it, it didn't go well. Um, it, it was very very good uh, to play, but and it was an interesting game how it worked out. I'm trying to go, not give any spoilers away if you watch it. But yeah, to say that it started out really really badly. Top tip: if on turn one of the game the enemy card is revealed and it says that if there's fire they will consume the fire and do some super big attack, don't generate fire. And that's what I did. That was that was my my mistake. I've got reasons why I made those mistakes. I wasn't feeling well at the time, but yeah, that was that was fun. So the 22nd of July is the date when I did the Sky Mines tutorial and playthrough. I actually played it twice that day. Uh, Rob and Peter came round in the afternoon. I taught them how to play. We set up the studio. We played a full game of it and we got everything prepared. Then after dinner, we did the actual public playthrough. So that's live on the channel now if you want to watch it. That was a tutorial and playthrough for Sky Mines. If you do watch it and you haven't watched it yet, Please note that I did make a rule wrong. The rule about going to the bonus spaces where you have to have, in the video I said you have to have more than anybody else, that's not true. It's more or equal most with somebody else. Basically, you cannot use those spaces if another player has more than you. So in other words, if you've got five and they've got five, you can use the space. And in the video, I, I taught that incorrectly. So apologies for that if, if you do watch it. Um, but yeah, Sky Mines, I've, talk, I've talked about it before. We have only played the base game so far, and I am really keen to explore all of the extra variations that come with Sky Mines, the other side of the board, the threat cards, and all of these extra stuff that come with it. Um, it looks like it's a really good game. And the question has always been, if you already own Mombasa, is it worth buying Sky Mines? And I've been asked this about three or four times in the last couple of weeks. I can't answer that question for you. If you have... A, you know enough disposable income to be able to buy sky mines if you already liked Mombasa I would say yes because not only I think is the is the graphic design and the artwork improved I mean Mombasa was good but I, I prefer this one I think that looks good and it looks cleaner but also you've got all of this extra variability um, in, included in the game but if you really like Mombasa and you think I'm only ever going to play the base game then you could just stick with Mombasa but I would recommend using the new rule from sky mines which is um, when you move your cards from below your player board to above your player board, you can choose where they go. In Mombasa, you had to move them directly up. And what that meant was that decision process of which column do I play my cards in had to be made before the start of the round. And therefore, it increased the thinking time in the preparation phase. And I think that was unnecessary. I'm glad that they've removed that. And now you just play your cards wherever and then at the end of your round, you choose where your cards go above. The original rule is in there as an advanced variant if you want to, but I will never use that rule. So that's Sky Mines. Almost all of Sky Mines. I'm going to talk about Sky Mines again later on. 23rd of July, Mark and Sally came round and we played games 10 and 11 of Charterstone. I was really hoping that we were going to finish Charterstone that day. Charterstone is 12 games long. The campaign of Charterstone is 12 games. And we were basically meeting up and we were playing two games per session. But then a few months ago, something didn't quite work out right and we ended up only playing one game. And that meant we were we were kind of out of sync a little bit. So I was really hoping on the 23rd that we'd managed to get three games in and we'd get it finished. But there was no way that was going to happen. The two games took us longer than we had planned. Uh, and then Vicky had to go and cook dinner and everything else. So we only managed to get two games of Charterstone in. Still really enjoying it. Um, again, and I say this every month that I talk about it, I enjoy Charterstone a lot more than I expected to. Uh, and I understand some of the criticisms that it got, but I think a lot of those criticisms were unfair uh, against the game. I think the game is a perfectly good game. I like the campaign approach to the game. I love the complexity of the game and the way it's evolved. 
and I can't wait to play through the campaign again using the digital version. Akram Digital is a fantastic digital version of the game, uh, and once I finish this campaign, at some point it's on my list of things to do, I'll be playing through the digital campaign as well. Um, but yeah, that was Charterstone. Now, while Vicky was busy cooking dinner, Mark and Sally taught me a little card game called Regicide. Now, they'd, been they'd told me about Regicide a couple of weeks before and said, oh, have you played Regicide? It's like this simple card game just with a normal deck of cards. And I thought, straight away, alarm bells were ringing. I thought, any kind of card game that you can play with just a normal pack of cards, and I straight away got an opinion about it. Completely false, right? That, I mean, literally, I, I, all I heard about the game was the name of the game and that it can be played with a pack of cards, and I formed an opinion of the game. And yet again... I should really have learnt this by the time I'm 52 years old. I was wrong, because Regicide is absolutely fantastic. And since being, being taught the game, I found out that there's an online version on Board Game Arena, and I've been playing the solo game. I've probably played about seven or eight games of the solo game, and I am planning to take it uh, with us uh, to Italy. Uh, I hope I'll find other people to play against um, or to play with, because it is a really good game. So if you don't know Regicide, have a look at it on, on Board Game Geek. Uh, it, it can be played with a normal deck of cards, or you can buy it, but it's a really clever game, cooperative game, uh, where you're basically the the jacks, the queens, and the kings are your opponents. So there's, there's a deck of 12 cards. It's the four jacks, the four queens, the four kings, shuffled and placed face down. And then cooperatively together you use the cards in your hand to fight against those one at a time but when you defeat them those cards go into the deck and it's very good it's card management it's hand management it's deck management and the suits of the cards all have special abilities uh, and it just it works really well so if you've played regicide let me know in the comments what you think about it uh, i really liked it right next I've already mentioned the Endless Winter playthroughs on the 25th of July. They were the ones that we refilmed because there were technical issues with the first videos. And I'm happy to say that those videos went well. Uh, and I've been editing those this week and they will be released hopefully next week. So on the 29th of July, um, I did a Sky Mines solo game because I was learning how to play the solo version of Sky Mines ready for the Charity Games Day the next day. So yeah, so on the 29th in the afternoon, I got Sky Mines out and I did a Patreon only behind the scenes video of me basically learning how to play the solo mode. And then on the Saturday for the charity day, I did uh, the solo mode. So I'll, so I'll talk about that when I talk about the charity day. Also that day, as mentioned earlier on, I played a game of Marvel Champions with Rick where we played against the Hood. And then on Friday evening, and this is on the channel if you want to watch it, Dungeons and Dragons Onslaught. I was very excited about this because way, way, way back when, I mean, first of all, I, I've, I've played D&D for 25 years of my life, right? I haven't done any role playing now for about 10 years or so, probably more than 10 years, but Dungeons and Dragons and role playing games in general was a big part of my life. If you think how big board games are a part of my life now, that's how big role playing games were for me for most of my sort of younger years. Um, and even even just before I moved down to down to Devon, I was running and I was taking part in two weekly D&D groups and occasionally at weekends. So I played a lot of Dungeons and Dragons. Anyway, Dungeons and Dragons Onslaught is not a role-playing game. It is a tactical miniatures skirmish game, but based on the Dungeons and Dragons rule set. But I was quite excited about it anyway. Uh, WizKids are producing it and I have a professional relationship with them and they asked me if I would want to cover the game on the channel. So what they sent me was a retail kit. The game isn't coming out until January next year, but what they've done is they've produced this retail kit, which is a cut down version of the game, including just a few miniatures, one very simple quick scenario, and they've sent it out to lots of shops so that they can start running demos of the game and actually showing people what it's like, ready for the actual release of the game. I'd mentioned that I've played it a couple of times. In fact, I'd forgotten to mention, but on the 24th of July, I went round to Rick's house. Rick cooked a nice roast dinner. We did a little bit of geocaching and we played a game of D&D Onslaught. Um, and I mentioned that I played it at Manicon. Those two previous games were basically me learning the system. Uh, and then I went back to uh, WizKids and asked a couple of rules questions. And that was all in preparation for the actual game on the Friday night. So if you're interested in seeing that, it's on the channel now, Dungeons & Dragons Onslaught or D&D Onslaught. Uh, and we did a live playthrough on, yeah, 29th of July. It was a sponsored video, so I can't, again, give you my opinion on it. But if you like 
uh, tactical miniatures sort of skirmish combat games using the D&D rule set, then that's exactly what it is. It was a lot of fun to play, and me and Rick definitely want to play more of it, and looking forward to the full game coming out uh, in January next year. The pre-painted miniatures, I will say, were fantastic. Now, I have opinions of pre-painted pre miniatures from like 5, 10, 15 years ago that they weren't generally that good a quality. These ones are excellent quality. They're really, really good quality uh, pre-painted miniatures. Right, so 30th of July, and I mentioned this in the last video log, it was a charity games day. It was the board game marathon organised by Dan Apsey, who's a friend and patron supporter of mine. Uh, I was unfortunately not able to attend the event in person. So what I agreed to do is I agreed to do a couple of live streams during the day, me at home doing some solo playthroughs, where they would they would basically restream what I was showing on their channel, but in order to help them raise money for charity. And I'm pleased to say the event went very, very well. Uh, Dan, you know, he organised it brilliantly and I saw photos of the event and it was very, very busy and they raised way more money than expected. I think their goal was like £3,000 or something uh, and they raised about 4000 maybe even £4,500. So if you're one of the people who helped contribute to that uh, charity, by donating to the Just Giving page, either directly for, because they were doing it or because you were watching my videos, thank you. Because, yeah, yeah, it's a really, really good cause and, and they raised a, a lot of money for that. So I was very happy to support them myself. So the two solo videos that I did that day, these were voted on by Patreon supporters. I did Lost Ruins of Arnak in the morning and then I did Sky Mines in the afternoon. So I'm going to talk about Sky Mines first because I've already kind of talked about Sky Mines a couple of times. The solo game I thought was excellent. I really enjoyed the solo game. And that wasn't a sponsored playthrough, so I can give you my honest personal opinion on it. I was very concerned because I'd previously said, I think Sky Mines works best at four players. And I still think that. And that is because there is a part of the core mechanisms of the game where you have these four different companies, and it's always four companies, no matter how many players are in the game, they are expanding onto the map. So it isn't one player per company. You are actually investors in the companies. And you might have it that two players are equal investment in one company, and therefore <clears throat> they both have an interest in, in making that company better. But in a four-player game, you get a lot of interaction between the companies and you get a lot of expansion on the board. In a three-player game, you get it, just not quite as much. And in a two-player game, you don't get it anywhere near as much. So one of the interesting parts of the game isn't that interesting in a two-player game. And the solo game is recreating a two-player game. It is you versus Luna. Luna is a bot. Now, what's clever about Luna is that you can actually use Luna as an extra player, even if you're playing two and three players. So I'd be tempted to do that. If I ever play a two-player, an actual two-player game of Sky Mines, I would use Luna as a third player. If I'm playing a three-player game of Sky Mines, I might still use Luna as a, as a, as a fourth player. Um, but two-player Sky Mines, just two-player, I enjoyed the solo mode. I think the solo mode is a very, very well-designed solo mode. I mean, you can see the video if you want to, if you want to go and watch it. But it runs smoothly, the AI system is quite clever in the way that it does it, and yeah, I, I just like the way the solo mode works. I would definitely play the solo mode again, even though there isn't that much interaction on the map and the way that it works. There was a little bit near the end of the game, but generally speaking, the companies just expand and don't really interfere with each other, which is, which is a big part of the game at, at four player and a little bit at three player. Okay. So, Lost Ruins of Arnak. It's been a long time since I played Lost Ruins of Arnak, and that showed on the video that I did that Saturday morning. So I actually played through campaign, uh, the solo campaign, Chapter 2. So, first of all, I've not played Lost Ruins of Arnak in a long time, but don't worry, I know the game really well, I remember the rules of the game. I don't really remember any strategy or anything like that, but I remember the core rules of the game. Do I remember the rules for the solo game? Not really. Do I remember the rules for the campaign? Not really. So I was a little bit flustered in that playthrough that I didn't feel that I'd prepared enough. Um, it was 10 o'clock on a Saturday morning. Uh, I'd been live streaming the night before. So I didn't really, I got up and basically set the studio up, set the game up and then went, right, oh, we're going live in five minutes, quickly have some breakfast. Um, so it wasn't the best playthrough that I've done of the game. It was perfectly enjoyable. And I loved it so much that I actually did another solo playthrough of Lost Ruins of Arnak last night. Uh, so I've done, I've done chapter three of the campaign, that was last night, and that, that went a lot better. 
um, because I was a lot more comfortable with the game. And I, I enjoyed it so much, uh, as soon as I get back from my break, I'm going to be doing Chapter 4 of the campaign. Um, yeah, I, I love Lost Ruins of Honor. I think it's an absolutely fantastic game, and the solo campaign is brilliant. If you have Lost Ruins of Arnak and you are not a solo player, try it. Try the solo mode. And if you are, definitely try the campaign. It's free. It's on the CGE website. Go and check it out. The campaign is, is, is fantastic. So that's that's Endless Winter. No, it's not Endless Winter. That's, <laughs> that's Lost Ruins of Arnak. Uh, that's the Charity Games Day. So speaking about the Charity Games Day, as some of you will know, and if you don't know, I'm telling you now, all of my advertising revenue goes to charity. So I, I turn advertising on, on my videos on YouTube. I don't have mid-roll adverts. I really hate mid-roll adverts. So, uh, and, to, and to be honest, I no longer watch any other YouTube channels that have mid-roll adverts because I find them so, so annoying. Um, but I don't have any mid-roll adverts. I just have the adverts at the start. But all of that advertising revenue, I don't get any of it. It all goes to charity. Uh, and last month, all of the advertising revenue went to the Board Game Marathon charity. So the uh, the Cots for Tots charity that Dan Apsey was raising money for, for that board game event, all of my advertising revenue went there. So yeah, thank you very much. If you're watching this video or any of my other videos and you get the advert pop up, that's where your money is going. It's all going to, to a good cause. So thank you very much for that. Right, on the 1st of August, 2nd of August and 3rd, I've talked about this, Endless Winter. So yeah, I've done three solo playthroughs of Endless Winter. Uh, the first two were practice games. The, the second one was actually going to be the actual video, uh, but then things didn't quite go right in it and I didn't feel comfortable with it and the camera kept dropping out of focus. So I, I, I basically refilmed it on the Wednesday. That video will be the actual solo playthrough, but I'm not going to have time to edit it before I go away. So I'll be doing that when I get back. Right, that is it. That is all of the games, I think, that I've played since the last video log. So, let's go on to what's coming up. Well, as I've mentioned a couple of times, I'm going to be having a bit of a break. From Friday, I'm going away. Um, but while I'm away, I will be releasing, this is the plan, three of the Endless Winter videos. The first one is going to be the a full how to play the base game. And it's an hour long. Now, I'm, I'm surprised by that because I've already said that Endless Winter is not a massively complicated game. It's probably medium weight, maybe medium plus with all of the different options. But I did a tutorial video and it's about an hour long. Now, everybody who's watched it has said it's a really good video and it's very comprehensive and it teaches the game properly. But I'm surprised it's an hour long. And I already know there are some people out there, including possibly you, who are going to go to that video, see that it's an hour long and not watch it. I, I, I can't help that. I recorded it twice and it was an hour long both times. It's a full comprehensive teach of me showing you how to play the game and how the game plays. That video will be going live while I'm away, hopefully. Uh, also a playthrough of the game. So an actual playthrough, a three player playthrough of the base game of Endless Winter. That will hopefully be going live soon as well. And also a three-player playthrough using the Ancestors expansion, where I spend about five minutes at the start of the video explaining what's new in the Ancestors expansion, and, and then we start playing it. So those videos should be going live over the next couple of weeks. But when I get back, I'll be finishing the Arnak campaign. It's currently set up on the, on the table here, and I have no intentions of putting it away. It will stay here until I get back, and then I am aiming to do chapter four of the campaign. But also when I get back, is the start of the Steffenfeld City Collection series of videos. So hopefully, cross fingers, Queen Games are going to be able to get me either the final production copy of the Steffenfeld City Collection games 1 to 4, or a super advanced prototype that you're not going to be able to see any difference in. Because I'm going to be releasing one video a week. It's going to be Hamburg first, then it's going to be Amsterdam, then it's going to be New York City, then it's going to be Marrakesh. So that's starting in a couple of weeks' time. Uh, and and will basically last for four weeks. So yeah, that, that's coming up on the channel over the next couple of months, which I'm very excited about. Um, I'm also going to be covering the new Power Core game from Board and Dice, um, which is... I was a little bit confused about this game because it's Power Core, Call of Cthulhu, but the Power Core logo definitely isn't thematic to Call of Cthulhu. And I've recently found out what it is. Basically, Power Core is a system. And Call of Cthulhu is the first game that they are releasing with this system. But if it's successful, they could easily use the system with other themes as well. Uh, and having played it now, 
I, I like the core system of Power Core. The core system of Power Core. Yeah, it is quite a cool system, and it is a two-player dueling card game, but it plays quite smoothly. So yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm going to be covering that on the channel near the end at the end of this month. Right, I think that's that's most of the plans of what's coming up over the next few weeks. So let's move on to a Patreon update. So Patreon support has unfortunately taken another hit over the last month. Um, I mentioned this in the last video log that Patreon support was starting to decline uh, and that trend has actually continued uh, through to July. So I lost a lot of supporters last month. I, I did gain quite a lot of new supporters as well, but I lost, uh, I lost more than I gained last month. The current number of supporters that I have is 811, which is still a fantastic number, and I'm very much appreciative of all of that support. Um, but yeah, it's just a current trend at the moment. Uh, I know things are things are difficult, uh, and there's a lot of um, people in difficult situations, and a lot of people who drop their support are dropping it for for those reasons. And it's not a problem. Uh, I'm not saying it's a problem. It's just you know that that's where we are at the moment. Um, but a big thank you to all of those who have stuck with me and are able to continue to support me. On screen now is a list of all of the new supporters that joined in the month of July. So yeah, a big welcome to you and thank you very much. Um, and as I say, I, I mean, I've mentioned this a couple of times, but since I've stepped away from the rulebook writing work, I do rely more and more on the financial support of the Patreon to, to keep things going. So yeah, your support means a lot to me, both financially and, and otherwise. Uh, and I'll be talking a little bit more about the otherwise later on. Now, speaking of patrons, I just wanted to give a shout out to one of them in particular this month, uh, and this is Elle. So Elle Firespray, to give her a full name. Uh, she's been a supporter of mine for a while, and she's very active on the Gaming Rules Community Slack channel, uh, especially on the miniatures painting, because that's what she does. Uh, I mean, she's a fellow games player, but she also creates content with regards to painting of miniatures. Uh, and I, I just decided that I wanted to give her a shout out because... As well as her having her own social media accounts on Instagram, Facebook, Twitch, YouTube, and all of those sorts of things, she's recently started doing commissioned work. So I'm going to put a link in the description of this video, and I'm going to put it on screen now. This is a link to linktr.ee slash lfirespray, and on there you can find links to all of Elle's stuff. So if you're interested in following her on Instagram or watching any of her live streams on Twitch or YouTube or something like that, as I say, it's all around miniature painting. Uh, but yeah, please head on over and support her if you can. I am going to be doing some live stream with her where, where I'm basically painting a miniature with her on a live stream. We need to sort out the details of that. It's something that I very much want to do. Uh, we just haven't got around to sorting out a time when, when I'm going to be doing it yet. But yeah, congratulations Elle on your first commission job and I hope that's the first of many. Thank you very much for your support. So, back to the stuff. It's been a difficult month and if you don't want me to... If you, if you don't want to listen to me sitting here and telling you all of my woes, then skip ahead to the next section. But I am going to share some of this. I don't want to come across all doom and gloom, or the fact that I'm just sitting here moaning all of the time, but I also want to be honest, and it has been an extremely difficult month. So the three, three or four main things that have gone wrong this month. The first one is, after the Australia playthrough, which was on the 8th of July... I really enjoyed it. I thought the video went well. I enjoyed it. Friends came round. We enjoyed playing it. Everything was good. I was in a good mood. So I think I stayed up till about 1am and I played a couple of games of Slay the Spire. Now 1am is not too late. I was just buzzing. I was in a good mood. Everything was great. So I thought, oh, okay, I'll stay up a little bit late. Play a couple of games of Slay the Spire. Everything fine. Went to bed. Got up on the Saturday morning. This is the Saturday morning when Rick was coming round and we were going to do two games of Marvel Champions to show off the playmats, as I previously mentioned. And I got up on Saturday morning and I felt like I hadn't slept at all. Now, I, I, I think I slept, but I felt like I hadn't slept. And what was really weird, and I don't think I've ever had this before. I mean, I've suffered from all sorts of different sleep-related issues and anxiety issues and various bouts of insomnia over the last 10 years. But I can't remember ever having this where I got up and I thought, I, I've not woken up yet. So I had some breakfast, I had a cup of tea, I had a shower and I'm like, I've still not woken up. My entire body just felt not like I had no energy, that it hadn't woken up. It was still all just like stiff, like it. And my brain was all fuzzy and cloudy and I couldn't really think straight. And then, of course, Rick came round and we did two live streams of Marvel Champions while I was feeling like that. And that, that was quite difficult. Um, but anyway, I spent the rest of that day 
in a, in a bit of a daze and i'm like i don't know what i'm doing this is just really i feel really really weird maybe something went wrong in the night i don't know that was the start of a 10 or 11 day period of severe insomnia um from that point on i basically was almost unable to sleep for about yeah almost two weeks uh, and if anybody suffered from insomnia you'll know what it's like uh you you have my sympathies and i tried everything to get around it there's there's all sorts of different things that you can do uh to to you know try and get through the insomnia and i tried doing all of those things but i spent 10 or 11 days just feeling awful every single day not being able to think straight not being able to function physically and what's what's bad is every time i tried to lie down to get some rest i couldn't sleep so most of the nights i was going to bed at like nine o'clock ten o'clock at night because i just couldn't function anymore and i would lie there until three or four in the morning and then i'd get two or three hours sleep and then i'd wake up again um it was really really not a good time i'm through the worst of it now but yeah that really impacted on things and um it, it was very strange that actually continued while i was at manicon so while i was at that gaming convention and i don't sleep well when i'm at conventions anyway but it continued there so i spent three days at manicon in this state where i was barely able to see straight think straight or anything and this is when we're having the heat wave so we're having a heat wave in the uk which is the worst heat wave we've ever had on record and i mean that didn't help i don't think that was the main cause of it but it certainly didn't help and being at manicon in in a non-air conditioned room for three days it was oh it was terrible and then when i got back and that endless winter video that i mentioned yeah that was filmed in the studio that that was horrible so anyway that that was the insomnia as i say that's mostly gone away in fact it went away i think it was the 23rd of july because i posted on slack i said oh i finally had a good night's sleep the insomnia just just fixed itself i didn't do anything i didn't change anything it just finally went away it's been a little bit bad at the start of this week but nowhere near as bad as then then issue number two if you're still watching um i had a lot of technical issues uh with stuff going on now that caused me not only to lose more free time in trying to fix them i was up till like midnight for three nights running i think trying to fix things uh, and also losing more sleep because i was worried about all of the technical issues i actually lost about th between three and four days of work time so i plan my week with everything that i need to get done in that week and in that week i essentially lost about three three and a half days worth of work in other words three and a half days were spent doing stuff that were trying to fix the problems or ended up being scrapped because of the technical issues um so regular viewers of mine will know that i've been having ongoing issues with lapel mics rubbing against clothing now right now i am wearing the lapel mic because i'm not moving around much I'm not reaching across the table. I'm not leaning around. I'm I'm staying relatively still. So hopefully you can't hear any rustling of lapel mics against uh, clothing. But I've I've had this issue for uh, probably about a year, and I have spent so much time and energy. I've watched countless videos. I've read countless forums. I've tried all sorts of different things: taping it inside the clothing, taping it to the skin, uh, removing the. I've I've literally tried everything: positioning it and everything in the end there's nothing i can do to fix it and i have finally decided to just give up and when i have guests around for playthroughs i need to come up with an alternative method because lapel mics attached to clothing when you're playing a game and you're moving around it's just a combination that isn't going to work and i need a new solution so the temporary solution that i've got when people come around is that i'm attaching the lapel mics to poles which will go near them the quality isn't as good but it means we're not having any rustling noises. But anyway, the reason why that's been an issue is that day, the 19th of July, when it was like the hottest day of the hottest day ever in the UK. And I'm in this tiny little studio with all of the lights on and all of the computers on and three people. And we've got to have the windows closed because otherwise all of the noise gets picked up by the microphones. It, it was an absolute nightmare. We filmed for about seven hours that day, maybe eight hours and all of that footage had to be scrapped every single bit of footage so that entire day all of the setup everything had to be completely scrapped that wasn't a good time also air conditioner what you're thinking well, paul's got a really hot room why didn't you buy an air conditioner so we did 
we bought an air conditioning unit. We bought a portable air conditioning unit. Uh, we bought it. It was what we thought was, was, was a good price. And we connected it up and we put the hose out of the window and we did all of that. And I had it running in the room for four hours set to 16 degrees. Okay. So it was on, the door was closed, the pipe was going out of the window, the window was sealed. It was running for four hours set to 16 degrees in the morning. People then arrived, we came in, we sat down, we went, oh, it, it is a little bit cool in here. Yeah, okay, that's all right. We turned it off because to be honest, if you have it on, I can't even hear the computer. It's so loud when it's on. We turned it off, within 20 minutes, we were absolutely baking. So even if the air conditioner did the job that it was supposed to do, which I don't think it did, I don't think it was a good one, and we've, we've since sent it back and got a refund, there is no point in me having it if I leave it running for four hours, turn it off, and then within 15 minutes, the room is baking hot again. So, I, I, you know, I don't know what I can do with regards to that. So anyway, that didn't affect the recording. It just affected us because we were in the room trying to concentrate and trying to do the video. Uh, yeah, it was quite difficult. Anyway, on top of all of that, <laughs> issue number three, that week, I was having all sorts of issues with my main computer just freezing. And I've never experienced anything like this. It would freeze and it would lock up, but the internet was still working. I could still browse the internet. I could still use Slack. I could still use Discord, but my live streaming software stopped working. Premiere Pro stopped working and Windows Explorer stopped working. So I couldn't even load any files or anything like that, but half of the computer was still working and half wasn't working. I also couldn't even shut it down. So I couldn't run Task Manager and I couldn't shut it down. I mean, literally the start button shut down didn't do anything. Something was very, very wrong, and I spent probably about a day, a day and a half trying to work out what the problem was. I eventually pinpointed the issue to Premiere Pro, to the point where I spent an entire day, the, that, that Tuesday the 19th, the hot day where we were streaming Endless Winter, or recording Endless Winter, I had no crashes that day whatsoever. The computer was working absolutely fine all day, even though I was using my streaming software, I was using everything else because I didn't load Premiere Pro. I loaded Premiere Pro in the evening and as soon as I did, within 10 minutes, the computer froze and crashed again. So I thought, oh no, I've got an issue with Premiere Pro. This is a disaster because I'm actually booked out the rest of this week to do all of the editing of the videos. And I now can't do the editing of the videos because I can't use the computer because of these crashes. So this is what I'm saying is, yeah, it was a really bad month. Lots of things were going wrong and I was losing a lot of time. So I had a very, very long conversation with Adobe and their support technicians were very good. And we went through a lot of things and I told them everything that I'd done because I'd spent probably an entire day trying to fix this myself. I updated all my drivers. I reinstalled Premiere. I went back to a previous version of Premiere. I basically did everything I could. I reset all of my preferences, moved all of the cache files, cleared everything. Nothing worked. Even going back to a previous version of Premiere still didn't work. So got on the phone to Adobe. Adobe talked me through a few things and we seem to have fixed it. And I don't quite know exactly what we did. I think it was like a corrupt cache file that was still there or something. We, we don't quite know. But when the next day when I had no issues whatsoever and I spent all day video editing, I was like, brilliant, it's fixed it. I kind of don't care what it was as long as it's fixed. And I thought everything was going well. And then we did the Sky Mines playthrough on the Friday. And that went well. The room was a little bit cooler. The game was brilliant. I enjoyed the game. The computer was working fine. I didn't have any crashes. And it was a great night. And everything went well. So what I did is I thought, oh, everything's gone well. Great. Went to bed. The insomnia had gone by this point. I think the insomnia had gone. <laughs> I can't quite remember. I've lost track of the days. It was about that time. And then I woke up on the Saturday morning and I turned the computer on <clears throat> and it said, scanning drive, please wait. I thought, okay, right. It's obviously found something on a drive and it's just scanning it. Went and had a shower, still doing it. Went and had breakfast, still doing it. Waited another hour, still doing it. And nothing was moving. There was no spirals. There was no percentage. There was no nothing. So I thought something's going wrong here. To cut a very, very long story short, I had a corrupt hard drive on my computer. Now, it is a coincidence that I was having all of those issues earlier on in the week with Premiere and then ended up with a corrupt drive on the Saturday morning. But 
I can't see how they are connected because as soon as we fixed the problem with Premiere, I used the computer absolutely fine for two days, literally 20 hours a day, streaming, using Premiere, doing everything, and had no problems whatsoever. And then on the Saturday morning, woke up and the drive was corrupt. I, yeah, if you've ever experienced a corrupt hard drive, uh, I lost a lot of data, I lost a lot of files, I've been slowly trying to recover things, but even recovering data from the corrupted drive, it will be copying files over, and then it will get to a certain point and it'll just freeze and it'll hang the computer again. So yeah, it's, it's really not good. I have ordered a new drive, the new drive is in, I've rebuilt most of the computer and we're now working fine again. But on top of everything else that I was experiencing, yeah, that was, that was, that was a lot. And not to mention, <clears throat> I am going to mention it, my repeated trips to the optician, uh, three trips to the optician uh, in the last month, wasting probably eight hours of my time in total uh, because of incorrect prescriptions, incorrect assumptions by an optometrist who prescribed me the wrong glasses for the wrong thing, actually going and getting replacement glasses which I couldn't then see through for five days, so then having to go back and get my original ones back, it, it's been an absolute nightmare. So as I say, it's been a crap month overall for me, uh, With and I've had almost no time to myself this month. I've been having to work in the evenings, and I don't mean work for paid work, I mean work to try and catch up on just fixing all of the issues and all of the stuff that I should have done. I am I am behind on work because I lost all of that time, um, and unfortunately I'm not going to get everything done that I wanted to get done before I go away, which means it's going to impact uh, on the stuff when I get back, which is a bit of a shame. And other than that, I've had all of, all of my usual anxiety issues going on, which have been made a lot worse by the insomnia and the stress with all of the other things. But that's it. So that that's all very, very negative. But, I, I, you know, as I say, I'm being honest. That's what's happened. And what I mentioned uh, is, earlier on, I can't thank my patron supporters enough for two reasons. First of all, the financial support of the Patreon means that when all of that stuff happens, and literally, probably a week and a half worth of paid work just gone, and I, and I have to redo everything, the financial support of the Patreon makes all of that possible. So I don't have the worries about that. But more importantly on that, the community that we've got on the Slack channel, and if you are a Patreon supporter of mine and you're not on the Slack channel, you are more than welcome to join in. It isn't always me moaning about my issues that I'm having. Trust me, there's a lot of positive conversations on there as well. Uh, but your support over on the Slack channel through all of these things, helping me with the microphone, helping me know what to buy, helping me with the technical issues, that's been really essential for me as a, as a without that, I don't, I don't know what I'd have done, really. So moving on from all of the negativity of what's been going on, let's try and end on a positive note. First of all, I'm still loving games, right? The, forgetting all of the issues, put all of that aside, playing games is still absolutely thoroughly enjoyable. Even those games that I played at Manacon, where I hadn't slept for like five days, and I'm in this sweltering hot room, and I'm struggling to see straight, I loved every single game that I played. Well, maybe not one of them. Um, but yeah, those games were great. Seeing people again, playing games with people, uh, not coming back with COVID, and playing games is still really good. And I'm still, play every single game I play at the moment, I'm just really, really enjoying, and I'm still extremely passionate about the actual gaming itself. So that that's a good thing. Also, those things that I've got coming up in the next few weeks, I'm excited about every single one of them. I'm excited about the Endless Winter videos going live. I'm excited about filming the next two. I'm excited about, um, yeah, all of that other stuff. And Frosthaven's arrived. Now, Frosthaven arrived late. Um, I had time booked out to work on the video for Frosthaven. Unfortunately, it arrived after that window. Um, and I'm not sure now when I'm going to be able to actually fit in the filming of the video for it, because unfortunately I have a lot of work scheduled in when I get back from my break. Uh, it will be done, and it will be done as soon as I can do it. I'm just not exactly sure when that's going to be. But that's very exciting. I've got the folded space insert for it, which I've put together, um, and that looks really good. And I've got the laser rocks insert arriving when I get back as well, so that I can I can do them. So yeah, very, very excited about Frosthaven um, and very excited about all of the other things. Yeah, so yeah, there's loads and loads of stuff to look forward to when I get back from my break. But I think that's everything. 
that's that's the end of my script anyway so was there anything else that i wanted to say i don't think there is as i say if you didn't like all of the negative stuff then hopefully you've skipped past it um but i did want to be honest and i did want to say how how things have been let's cross our fingers let's hope one i no longer have any rustling of uh, lapel mics against clothing i mean i can't because i'm not doing that two let's hope i don't have any real more corrupt hard drives three let's hope my insomnia issues have gone we'll see four let's hope we don't have another power cut because literally five minutes before i was about to start filming this vlog today the entire power went out for the whole town so yeah it's, it's just been I, I kind of i had to laugh at that point <laughs> because it's like oh just finally when i've got everything ready boom everything gone anyway Thank you very much for watching this video log. Thank you very much for your support. And if you've watched this video and you are in a position to be able to support me on Patreon, then it is patreon.com forward slash gaming rules. Other than that, I'll be back next month with another video log. But before then, there'll be plenty more videos on the channel, lots more games to play, lots more things to do. Until next time, take care and thanks for watching.